You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Good morning, everyone. Once again, we all have an origin. We all have a place where we started, a place of beginnings. And so did this universe and the plan that God has for all of us. And so it's great, once again, to stand before you and minister the word of God to you. Every time I stand before a congregation or a body of believers, I do consider it a very high privilege. I do not take it lightly. And so this morning I come to you in humility, but also having spent time before the Father God, before his face, to really get a word that's fresh and relevant for you in this hour. And so I have to start by just um, acknowledging a very special lady that's here today who I've been married to for 23 years. And in fact, 23 years ago on a Sunday morning, actually it was Sunday afternoon, we got married on a Sunday afternoon. Most people get married on Saturdays, but you know, that's, we had like 50 pastors come to our wedding. And so they prepare their messages on Saturday, so we decided, well, for another reason too, trying to find a place that was available we could only get one on Sunday, so it worked out good. But we stood right here and consecrated, committed our lives together. And it has been a wonderful journey, honey. I have no regrets. I, that's one of the decisions I made that, you know, it was just one of those things I'd never had any second thoughts. Like, what did I do? It's like some people, what did I do? But I'm glad I did it, okay? Anyway, um, yeah. Yeah, good word. <laughs> I, I do have some humor this morning, kind of in relation to this, and, and a little poem for my wife. Mm-hmm. And before I get too far, my mom this week is celebrating her 85th birthday. So she'll be 85 on Tuesday. Yeah. And Pastor Deb is going to have her birthday. I won't tell her tell you her age, but her birthday's tomorrow. So, you know, if I ever forgot our anniversary, uh, I would be in trouble, right? Yeah, but it helps to have your anniversary the day before she has her birthday, because then I'd never forget her birthday, okay? At least I shouldn't. In fact, the most effective way to remember your wife's birthday is to forget it once. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you want your spouse to listen to you and pay strict attention to every word you speak, talk in your sleep. Okay, just try that once. Uh, Maybe it will work. (laughs) No, a successful marriage requires falling in love many, many times, but always to the same person. Right, right. How many of you know sometimes you have your moments? And, um, but you overcome them, right? And, um, so here's my poem. A gift. <laughs> a gift we have that's sweet and rare. It's just that we, it's just that we're a perfect pair. The years go by with no regret because we are a perfect set. What matter if this is sappy, so long as both of us are happy? Happy anniversary, honey. (laughs) All right. 
Well, we have been talking about our core values over the last several weeks. We actually have 12 core values at Refuge, and, and so really they help define how we share life together as a church body and how we impact the community. Core values are actually guiding principles. Organizations, they establish core values as to how to relate within the organization as well as how to relate outside of the organization in impacting those that they're targeted to reach. And so uh, we believe that uh, refuge is a place for people. And people will come, I believe, through these doors, but our desire is for them to have a real encounter with a real God, an encounter with Jesus Christ that would have a transforming impact on their life so that when they leave, they're not the same, but they're changed. Because Jesus Christ is in the changing business, and he is the one who can truly transform and reform a person's life, bringing them from a place of sin and separation from him into a place of relationship, a place of redemption, a place of peace, a place of joy, a place of revelation and understanding. And so I'm excited as a church the opportunity that's before us. And one of the things that we've seen is probably one of the biggest transitions from Good News Fellowship Church to Refuge is we have become more, uh, less insider-focused and more outside-focused. Our intent is to target and reach those that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and over the years, you know, uh, sometimes we have uh, talk in, in languages that people haven't been able to relate to called Christianese. And, you know, you talk about being slain in the spirit, falling under the power, people coming in for the first time and saying, what are they talking about? But it's realizing we're engaging a culture that doesn't have relationship with the living God. And we want you as members of the church to invite people your neighbors, your relatives, the people you love, the people you despise, to come here and, and, and have an encounter with Jesus, okay? So, and we know that uh, our vision, and it was stated this morning by Sylvia in the announcements, um, at Refuge, we believe that all people matter to God. This is the place we grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. Now, there's a scripture we see in Jeremiah chapter 16, 19. And it says, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. We're living in a time period where the culture and society seems to be unraveling. And I believe that people are looking for a refuge, a place of safety, a place to connect with people that love God in a, on a journey with him. Uh, I believe that in, in this hour, uh, we need to be strategic and determined at how we serve the purpose of God in this generation. We need to come before him and really hear his heart. How we did things in the 70s and the 80s, you know, God has new methods to implement his message. The message doesn't change, but the methods do. So if we're going to be relevant to impact the culture, we need to be in tune with the Spirit of God and understand His heart like no other time. And so far, we've covered uh, the core values. I will just list them. Number one, we're a people who cannot be broken. Number two, a family that will always forgive. 
Number three, peacemakers in the world at war. Four, a body that when damaged will heal. Five, a safe place for poor and for rich. Six, a haven for those who are tired. Seven, a friend who won't grow weary. Eight, we are enablers for those who seek truth. Nine, a journey that never grows old. And we talked about that last week. Our life is a journey of adventure and discovery. And if it's not that for you, then you're missing out, okay? Um, you need to see it as that. Where's our journey taking us? We do not journey alone. We, we do this thing together. At Refuge, we are going on the journey together. Uh, every day there are opportunities for us to grow and experience more of God in our lives. Our journey at Refuge is one of discovery. It's one of coming to a place of understanding of God's plan, his purpose for our life, so we can truly serve his purpose for this generation. See, I don't want to be busy doing something that God really never intended for me to do. I want to find out what his plan is for my life, and I want to live that out. Because if I embrace his plan, he will help me fulfill that. He will enable me to carry out his will in this earth. Even though I don't think I'm, I'm capable or have the, uh, you know, the education or the charisma or whatever I need to fulfill what God's called me to do, if he's called me to do it, that's all I need to know because he will enable me to, to do what he wants me to do in my life. And, and I have given my life to Jesus. And it's not just a commitment I made um, back in 1974 on May 22nd, that, that dates me, uh, when I first gave my heart to Jesus. But it's a commitment I make every day of my life. I acknowledge and reaffirm my devotion to Jesus. And I think we should all do that. Oh, I gave my heart to Jesus. Well, that commitment should be renewed every day and, and at least acknowledged every day. Amen? So, this morning we're looking at servants who love without an agenda. And the first thing you might be thinking, oh, everybody has an agenda. But we're going to look at the implication of, of how people can often see or misconstrue uh, people with wrong motives and agendas that may be self-serving. Okay, so we're going to look at that in, in, in a, little, a little bit later. But I want you, if you're taking notes, to write this statement down. A ministry cannot be superficial. It must be supernatural. Okay? We can get into this superficial thing where we put on the plastic smile, we shake hands, and we put on this friendly, you know, kind of uh, demeanor. But there has to be something genuine, sincere, and real and authentic about how we encounter people. Right? Because Christianity is about a living Jesus that engages real people with real needs. And you and I need to come to that place where we tap into who he is and allow him to shine through us. That's supernatural. Jesus wants to do something in you and through you to impact those around you. Can you say amen? amen. Now, walking in love is supernatural. If we're going to talk about loving without an agenda, that's a supernatural effort that, uh, that uh, there's something supernatural about that. It can't be superficial. 
or it's really not the love of God because the love of God is very far from being superficial. The love of God is genuine, it's sincere. And 1 Corinthians, you can write this down, I don't have this on the slide, but you can write this down, 1 Corinthians 13, four through eight. The Bible gives us a pretty good description of what love is. It says love is patient, love is kind, love believes the best of every person, love doesn't boil over with jealousy, Uh, love is not prideful, it's not arrogant, and it it lists all those qualities of what love is and what love isn't, okay? And so I challenge you as a body of believers, as as believers and Christians, to read 1 Corinthians 4 through 8 when you get a chance and really familiarize yourself with the meaning of what love is because it is a supernatural capacity that God has given every believer. Why? Because the scripture says we're born of love. When we're born of the spirit of God, when we receive him into our heart, we take on his DNA. There's a transforming work that takes place where we are given the capacity and the ability to love as he loves, okay? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 and 15, and, and this, this is a compelling, motivating force that we need to understand and come to grips with. And that is, let's read this, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. Uh, another translation says, the love of Christ controls us. I tell you what, I, mean, I just need to pause here. We need to determine to be under the compelling, controlling power of his love because there's something there that will cause you to be a vessel that can make a great impact in this earth let's read on here because we judge thus that if one died for all then all died and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again So we're living for a greater purpose. We're living for a greater cause. We're no longer living for ourselves. That's what love is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the ministry of your word. And as we explore the scriptures, Father God, help us to really come to grips with what it means to be those who are servants who love without an agenda. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. Help us, Father, to impact this community in a way that would bring Jesus to light in the lost and in the dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, is the love of Christ compelling you? Is that the compelling, controlling motivation of your life? If not, it needs to be, and it can be. And, and my desire, if, if I have a goal and a, a desire today, is for by the time we leave these doors, that you'll be under more of the control of the love of God in your life. It, it, because that would, that's gonna diminish the selfish elements that seem to rise up in our human nature from time to time. It will also help us to serve in a capacity that God has called us to serve because we are servants of the creator of this universe. And that's an awesome privilege to serve the king, is it not? 
So I have a list of four points to share with you this morning on what does it mean for us as refuge to be servants who love without an agenda. Now the first one, for number one, it means that we obey the commandment Jesus gave to us. Okay, what is that commandment? We're going to look at it. And uh, the commandment is the commandment to love. And, and we see it repeated in Scripture, love one another. This commandment I give to you, that you love others as I've loved you. And, and we're going to look at a couple of those passages. But um, the love of God is the greatest motivator for us to serve. It's, it's love that drives me so that I'm willing to sacrifice and give of my time, give of my money, give of my effort. You know, we're, go, we're planning a, a trip to Africa. We just bought the airline tickets. And thank God, you know, they're like half price of what they normally are. We got tickets from central Wisconsin to Ghana, West Africa, for just a little over $900. I've never seen them that low. So that's a good time to go, right? You know, these, let these prices keep going down. We'll go around the world and, and preach Jesus, right? But I think of the comfort that we have here in the natural. I'd much rather stay home and, and take a couple weeks off. But there's something that motivates me. It's the love of God that causes me to want to go serve these African people and to be in situations where it's 108 degrees, it could be a monsoon, rain pouring down, soaking wet or you know, burning up in heat or suffocating in a hot car or, you know, dealing with bugs. Oh, I hope I don't scare anybody from wanting to come with me to Africa, okay? Anyway, but there's, there's a love that motivates me to put up with some things that may not be so pleasant because there's a greater purpose and cause, okay? In fact, you and I need a revelation of the love of God. Um, we need a revelation of the love of God. Have you ever been around a mean Christian? A mean Christian. It's like they've been sucking on lemons. They're just not real happy. You know, if there's no joy in their life, I can promise you they don't have a revelation of the love of God. They've begun to live a life that's based on do's and don'ts, uh, living their life uh, with a wrong pretense, a wrong motivation. Um, the love of God may not be their motivation. And, and let me tell you this. Once you encounter the love of God, the love of God has the greatest transforming impact upon your life. And, and there's something about the love of God because the love of God doesn't leave you as you are. The love of God transforms you into what he wants you to be. So the love of God will address sin issues. It addresses those things that really alienate us from the purpose of God and cause us to come to a place where we're free from the bondage of sin. We're free from addictions. The love of God can transform you and give you a new want-to. See, some people, they, they, they have want-tos that are wrong. Oh, they want to drink. They want to smoke. They want to have sex outside of marriage. They want to do all these things. They want to do that because that's the flesh. But when you have an encounter with the love of God, he changes your want to. I don't want to do those things because I know they're wrong. It's sin. It separates. It alienates me from God. And so I'm on a new journey 
in encountering the love of God because it's transforming my life. And guess what? He's not finished with me because he, I'm not perfect yet. Even though my mom thinks so. I love you, mom. And, uh, and moms are supposed to be that way. They just see the best side of us. I don't know. All right. Uh, so uh, the Bible says that we are born of love. John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, let's stop right there because we're commanded to love. That's a commandment. You don't have, it's not optional, it's not a choice. But you need to understand that when God commands you to do something, he gives you the ability and the power to fulfill it. So when he told Peter to walk on water, he said, come. That enabled Peter to walk on the water, to do something supernatural. Because what we say, well, I can't love, but you can if he commanded you. If he said love, then you can love, okay? You might say, well, that person's not so lovable. Well, he commanded you to do it, so that gives you the ability to do it. Notice it goes on to say, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. As. And, and the same way Jesus loves us, we're supposed to love one another. Uh, yeah. They might say, okay, that's, that's, really, that's really powerful. How can I love others as Jesus loves me? Well, Jesus said and commanded us to. And, and, and it goes on to say that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. In other words, the witness that we are connected to Jesus is how we interact, how we love one another. And so whenever people come through those doors as first-time visitors and they see and experience and see how we are engaging in that commandment, obeying that commandment, then it's a witness and a testimony that we are a disciple of Jesus. Because not every believer is a disciple, okay? And this is my best side, Nathan, okay? No. Uh, <clears throat> not really. Uh, this might be my best side sometimes. Okay. <laughs> All right. In Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, they, Jesus is approached and they said, Teacher! And they're trying to trap him. Now, these guys are trying to, you know, we're going to, we're going to get Jesus on this question. We're going to trick him up, okay? Which is the great commandment in the law? Hmm. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. So loving God and loving others. Now, some people don't have a love for themselves, and that's why they can't love others. And there was a day the Lord gave me a revelation of his love for me because I didn't love myself. I really almost despised myself. I was down on myself. I would cut myself down. I, I was hard on myself. How many of you ever, don't raise your hand, you're just really hard on yourself. There may be even this thing called self-hatred because you despise what you've did. You need to understand that if God loves you, you can have an appropriate love for self. It's not a weird thing. It's having a, a proper value of who you are as a human being. And when you have that proper estimation of, of 
how you are viewed in the eyes of God and how you love yourself, then that helps you to love others. And, and so that's, that's so important. And, and we see that so clearly in the scripture. Now, even going back in the Old Testament, we see in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34, because guess what, folks? There's going to be some strange people that are going to walk through these doors. They're going to be, and now may, maybe not strange to this culture, but strange from what you may be used to. Okay? Uh, and so let's see how we are to deal with the stranger, okay? Uh, the stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In other words, we need to welcome people with the love of God. It doesn't matter, you know, what how many tattoos they have or piercings they have, you know, because for, for some people, Christians, so-called Christians, they can sit back and say, oh, let me sit over here. How do I get too close? Where, you women, make sure my purse is in my lap. <laughs> you know, so, but think about that. Even in Old Testament, God was addressing that issue. Hey, there's going to be some strange people around. You need to love them. Okay. All right, let's, let's go on here. I, I, you know, we don't want to take this too far. But maybe we're not going far enough. I don't know. Number two. You ready for point number two? What is uh, serving servants who love without an agenda? What does that mean to us at Refuge? It means that we are a servant church. It means that we're a servant church that loves people. And, and you know, before we ever began Good News Fellowship Church, it was in 1983 as I was praying before God, and we launched the church in January, January of 1984. One of the things God really seared in my heart and made very clear to me is that we were to be a servant church to the community, a servant church in this world. And so that's been a foundational truth and all these years, and one of the things, when coming into the community, you know, just doing a appraisal of things, there was a need for quality childcare. I thought, wow, we can serve this community by having a daycare center, by having a childcare center. That's Christ-centered, where we can be pouring in to these children the word of God and the love of God and reaching these families, serving these families. And, and you know, that ministry has thrived over the years. In fact, even right now, we have a waiting list of parents wanting to bring their children to our child care center. Isn't that awesome? And we've been able to provide employment for people. You need a job? You love kids? Okay, come on, see us, make an appointment. Yeah, okay, there's a little more than that. You know, there's an interview process, and it's pretty thorough, okay? Right, honey? It's pretty thorough. Uh, we want to make sure that, yeah, okay, we won't go there. Okay, so it means we're a servant church that loves people. Um, the Greek New Testament word for serve is diakonion. Did I say that right? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> and that means to actively serve, to minister. It refers to a slave who waits on guests, serving at the table. It's really ministering to someone's need. I turned up 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. And here we see, uh, starting at verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Now, Peter wrote about this a long time ago. And if the end of all things are at hand, how much more 
is the end of all things at hand, right? In the day that we're living in. It says, therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another. Fervent love. That means there's a fire in the way you love people. It's, 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 it's a real deal, okay? Have fervent love one for another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. In other words, love can overlook some things. In, in the purpose of reaching that person. Because, see, if uh, somebody might come in here riddled with sin in their life, and if that's a barrier that could keep them from coming to Christ, love will see them through to forgiveness and to see their lives transformed, okay? So we, we need to understand that love will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable one to another without grumbling. Uh, any grumblers here? Ooh, gotta God, watch that grumbling. God does not like grumbling. Amen. You look at the children of Israel in the wilderness, he did not like grumbling. Oh, I tell you, they grumbled and, okay, you're done. Ooh. He's still a God of love, amen, but he just doesn't like grumbling, okay? Uh, I don't know why I said that, but anyway, verse 10 as each one has received a gift. All of you are in each one. Each one of you have received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, the gifts God has given you are designated to minister to others. It's not just for your selfish personal gain, but it's for others. It says, as each of you has received the special gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, that's God's enablement and ability for you to exercise your gifts in serving others. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now that's, that's a powerful passage. And really, uh, it addresses the role of us being servants. And, and if you are not serving somewhere, I implore you, I encourage you, get involved. Because there's a joy, there's a blessing that comes when you're involved in serving. You know, it's wonderful to sit and receive. But you know, there's people back there in the children's ministry right now, and, and refuge kids, they're serving those kids. And they're giving out. Oh, they can listen to me on the podcast. That's fine. But, you know, they're serving and they're being blessed in their serving. Uh, in the New American Standard Version, verse 11 in First Peter 4 says, whoever speaks is to do so by the one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as the one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs all glory and dominion forever and ever. Notice that phrase in this passage, serving in the strength which God supplies. The joy of serving is that God's going to give you the strength to do it. He's going to supply you the strength to serve. You might say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can, because he'll give you the strength to do it. All right? Number three, we've got to move along here. What does it mean? to be servants who love without an agenda, it means that we discover what true greatness is. And that is to be a servant. 
Jesus introduced the concept of servant leadership. It was foreign, even in that day period, time period, because the great among them were those who were in charge, who gave orders, who were in command, and, and everybody did what they wanted. But Jesus turned that whole thing around. He said, the greatest among you is the one who serves. And we, we see, in fact, let me ask this question. Uh, who wants to be great? How many of you want to be great? I don't know if I should raise my hand. Yes, we should all want to be great. Lift your hands. Everybody should want to be great, okay? Okay, good. Um, next question, who wants to serve? Okay, because if you lift your hand for the first question, you should lift your hand for the second question. Because if you want to be great, then you have to be willing to serve, right? Your capacity to serve reveals your greatness. You need to write that. Somebody needs to write that down in the notes. Your capacity to serve reveals your greatness. Matthew 23, verse 11 says, But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant. Right there, Jesus said it. That's, uh, in your Bible, look at it, it's red letters. So that, that means Jesus said it. So we need to heed it. So number four, what does it mean to be servants who love without an agenda? It means that our service of loving people is not hypocritical. Uh, see, love accepts people as they are, but true love doesn't condone their sin, okay? But it frees people from sin. See, love is truthful, not deceitful. And, and see, there's, there's something happening in our culture right now. Oh, we just got to love. But love without confrontation is not really the love of God because the love of God will confront me in my issues. It will, it will deal to the core, with the core of my heart where I need to repent and change and, and get things right and allow him to change me. And see, you, we have to be careful because there is a discipline side of love. I love my kids. I say, I love my kids. I got my daughters here, my sons there, and one's in Florida, you know. Three of them here. But you know, if we never disciplined our children, they would not be serving God today. They would not be passionately in love with Jesus. If we, if we just, oh, we gotta love them, let them do whatever they want. Oh, we'd be in trouble. We'd have some issues. You know, in fact, I would disqualify myself from being a pastor because as a pastor, one of the qualifications is got to have my kids in subjection, have to have my house in order. Otherwise, I, I'm not fit to lead, right? Okay. Yeah. True love confronts us in our sin and frees us from it. See, relationships have common components. It involves people, needs, and expectations. We should not complain about those that we're called to serve. You know, and, and you know, there's been moments, and I have to confess, I, I've complained about you as a congregation. God, but God didn't want to hear my complaining. So I, we decided we're not going to complain about the people we've been called to serve. We're going to pray for them. We're going to do what we can to build them up and help them, Right? Because as parents, sometimes your children just don't do everything that they're supposed to do, and you can pull your hair out of your head, but that doesn't help. You just end up being bald. 
Oh, yeah. So, I, I need to explain this because there's a catch here. If you love without an agenda, is there really an agenda? Was that just a good catchphrase? Is there really an agenda? Because, see, what this phrase is really referring to is having the wrong motivation, the wrong agenda, a false pretense. That you're just trying to, you're loving because you want somebody to do what you want them to do. Okay? It's not sincere. I mean, we did this furniture giveaway um, last fall, and that was one of the things we've implemented to, to be, do, do things to touch our community, to bless them, to love without an agenda. People would say, How, this is free? How can you give this away free? Well, there's no strings attached. We just want you to know and experience the love of God. We love you and want to bless you. Well, some of those people that received from that furniture outreach, uh, lives have been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so, uh, so you might say, yes, there is an agenda. We want people to encounter Jesus. Okay, so I'm just being honest with you. There is an agenda, but it's a good agenda, okay? But it's not an agenda that would, would say, okay, we're just going to build our numbers. We're just going to take your money. We're going to do all these things, you know? Uh, but no, it's this pure-hearted motivation. Romans 12, 9, you need to hear this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. You see, hypocrisy is the quality of acting in a way that goes against claim beliefs or feelings. You say one thing, but you really believe another. It's a false pretense. It's, hypocrisy is pretending to believe something that you really don't believe. Or that is opposite of what you do or say at another time. It's saying one thing and doing another. That's being hypocritical. And, and hypocrisy, it's, it's, it goes back into the you know, actors where they would put on a different face and, and be acting, taking a role that wasn't really them. I mean, that's Hollywood. They're all actors. They take on these roles. That's not who they really are. You know, uh, I, I, my brother David got me to watch this show called The Last Ship. And uh, Captain Chandler... You know, I don't know that guy personally, but the, the, the role he portrays is one of honor. He, he's really a true leader. He's compassionate, but yet he, he knows how to draw the line. And, and you know, I don't know that man personally, but if I knew him in real life, he's probably different than what his character that he portrays. I like to think he's like the character he portrays because he'd be a pretty cool guy then. But see, this acting thing, we, we don't come to church acting. We come to display Jesus and his life in us, right? So I want to close with a scripture here, Mark 10, 45. And th this passage is, is so amazing when we really consider it and look at it. Uh, it says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. And, and you know, uh, and we might talk about, oh, we're just going to serve the Lord. But he came to serve us and to give his life for us. He took the servant's role. And he really displayed that when he washed the disciples' feet. And, and the disciples were blown away by that, by that act of, of Jesus taking the role of a servant because that was the low pay on the totem pole. 
because in that day, people would walk through those streets and their feet would be dusty and dirty. They'd come into an establishment and they had servants that would wash the feet of the guests. Jesus became that person that demonstrated service at that level. Out of love, he set the example for us. Uh, how, you know, how high we go in the kingdom is determined by how low we're willing to go to serve, to be a blessing to someone else. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.